you need to sell all your possessions. That's the requirement for rich people to be safe. There were some alternatives Sex to the chamber. <laughs> yeah, man. But we're royalty and we have clean blood. <laughs> Do you want so many female options that you have to work really hard to find the one marryable one <laughs> or do you want so little options that you got to marry your Bruce Lawn. there's a story in the bible that many of us know the rich young ruler you guys all familiar with this story as he was standing there on a journey a man ran up to him knelt before him and asked him good teacher what shall i do so that's already the wrong question right what shall i do so that i may inherit the kingdom uh, inherit internal life, excuse me, not the kingdom. But Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give a false testimony, do not defraud, honor your mother and father. And he said to him, teacher, I have kept all these from my youth. Looking at him, Jesus showed love to him and said to him, one thing you lack, go and sell all your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But he was deeply dismayed by these words, and he went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. And Jesus, looking around, said to his disciples, how hard will it be for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God? And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus responded again and said to them, children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle um, than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Of God, and they were more astonished and said to him, Who then can be saved? Looking at them, Jesus said, With people it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible. Okay, so there's a lot of stuff that comes out here. First of all, we all know that how many people lose to use that that verse, right? All things are possible, right? I could do all things, all mm -hmm. things are possible. There's like verses are talking about something else. One, two, <laughs> people weaponize this verse and this passage of scripture to say. Um, well, if you own anything and if you're in the slightest wealthy, you need to sell all your possessions. That's the requirement for rich people to be saved, which is a really bad soteriology. Yeah. To, to, to say like anyone could be saved by grace through faith alone, but rich people have to sell everything. So now we're adding a work in order for a rich person to get saved. And I'll get deeper into this passage. But what I want to do, God willing, is give us a bit of perspective. I think it's important for us to have some perspective in terms of how even the lowest people in our economic cycle here in America today live in the context of the global mm, like you're perspective saying it's like and the historical perspective so you're saying wealth is relative so who's going to who are we to put the number on it right is it uh, is it 50,000 to the person that makes $10,000 a month or $10,000 a year and by the way, so some people have said the whole, like, the eye of a needle is the smallest entry gate of Jerusalem. There's no, that's never been found in history. <laughs> so that's just, like, it's a, it's a thing people said to try and make sense of the passage. What Jesus is saying is that it is impossible, right? With people, this is impossible. With God, he's be, he's using hyperbole, yeah. right? There's no eye of the needle in Jerusalem. I've been to Jerusalem. Yeah. We went to all the, th we saw all the things. We did all the things. <laughs> There's no eye of the needle. I promise you. There's no eye of the needle. You won't find any scholar to back that up. But... There is another point to the conversation that we need to get into. But first, let's get into this video. So this video is called The Ways Your Life Today is Far More Luxurious Than a Medieval King. Despite what you may imagine, daily life for a king or a queen during the Middle Ages wasn't all about lounging around in robes of silk and satin and indulging in lots of feasts. Well, not just about that. In fact, living large as medieval royalty wasn't really all that great. So... Today, we're going to take a look at surprising ways your life is far more luxurious than kings from the Middle Ages. 
When you're a royalty, you typically get the best medical care available, the finest tonics, the strongest ointments, and the shiniest instruments for drilling the These pictures are crazy, bro. Yeah. 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 These pictures are bro. insane, bro. Is that lobotomy? In the breath? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Keep going. Some ailments that even the best medical care is unable to deal with. And in the medieval period, one of those conditions was the bubonic plague, also known as the Black Death. The Black Death was seriously dangerous to medieval peasants and monarchs alike. It didn't seem to give a plague rat's ass about wealth or status. When a massive outbreak swept through Europe in the mid-14th century, an estimated third of the continent's total population died. Things got Jeez. so grisly that people were willing to try pretty much anything to cure the plague. For example, Pause it? I knew that, though. And we talking about... We talking about... We talking about the vid? We talking about the vid? The, these... A third of the population died. Ivermectin who? Right? This is crazy sauce. People strapped live chickens around their swelling sores. Potions were a popular choice, too. Particularly if they were laced with what the makers called unicorn horn. Unicorns are fake, as you may have realized, so the actual ingredient was frequently something less exotic and more poisonous, like mercury or arsenic. Some healing beverages even included ground precious gems, like emeralds and sapphires. So you could look forward to chugging an extremely expensive plague shake if you were a royal touched by the Black Death's bony fingers. Of course, none of these treatments actually prevented the plague, and many of them just did more harm to the patients. Thankfully, <laughs> modern medicine has treatments for the bubonic plague, and most of them don't involve rock milkshakes or live chickens. Mm. Nice. You, point number two, you don't, you don't have, have to, to marry your cousin. You don't have to go down south. Dating is tough. Even with all our fancy apps and matching services, finding a suitable life partner can seem daunting, if not impossible. But as hard as swiping left through a sea of red flags can be, at least you get to pick who you ultimately date, let alone who you marry. Red pill out here complaining about yeah. no good woman. <laughs> you know what the alternative is? Your cousin, son. You meet your cousin and you get married to her. Your first cousin. All right? <laughs> you, you marry your cousin. How about that? You want a you you want a tough dating market, or do you want to marry your cousin? Which one you prefer, huh? Which one you think is going to help you create better offspring? Do you want so many female options that you have to work really hard to find the one marryable one, <laughs> or do you want so little options that you got to marry your cousin? That's so good. Keep going. Medieval royals didn't have that choice. Royals typically married for political reasons, and their unions usually established treaties between their respective home countries in the process. And if that weren't enough to suck the romance out of any marriage, like an industrial shop back, intermarriages between families over successive generations meant the royal spouses were often cousins. This presumably made the holidays weird. The church did try to prohibit marriages between cousins from happening until the 13th century, but in practice, that didn't really stop anyone. Most nobles simply either got <laughs> The church is like, oh, wait, 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 wait. This wait, wait. whole <laughs> thing, we can't do it. And then they just kept doing it anyway. But we're royalty, and we have clean blood. <laughs> Apple dispensation or just ignore the rules entirely, which is a thing you can do when you're royalty. Some of the most famous medieval kings and their spouses were cousins wed for diplomatic purposes. William the Conqueror and his wife Matilda of Flanders were distant relatives. The Pope forbade them from getting married, but Billy the Conk did it anyway, because he was the king, and it wasn't like he was going to punish himself. Isabella of Castile. Yo, I heard, and I don't know if they're going to talk about this, I heard that a lot of those like medieval portraits of uh -huh. kings and queens and whatever, uh -huh. and why they're so goofy looking, kind of like this, uh -huh. Is because a lot of them were actually byproducts of so so the reason that their proportions were off, their foreheads were really big, like 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 genetically, <laughs> there's scientific reasons as to why they look goofy. The painters weren't bad. It wasn't bad painting. It wasn't a vibe. It, it was bad people. It was just genetically it was bad messed genetics. Up people. Yeah, and bro, so, that's fine. I never knew that. That's hilarious. And so that's why we're like, oh, this person looks ancient. You know, like you look. Archaic. You look like you're from the medieval times. <laughs> They're just from Arkansas. Yeah. <laughs> yes. No diss. No diss to anybody from Arkansas. Don't send me any angry comments. Of Christopher Columbus and her husband, Ferdinand of Aragon, were second cousins when they got married. In addition to being gross, the intermarrying of close relatives led to a lot of health complications within royal families, such as hemophilia. 
One of the biggest accomplishments of the modern world is that most people can read. Globally, an estimated 86% of people over 15 years old have some degree of literacy. Wow. That means most of us have a pretty big leg up on the fussy old rulers of several hundred years ago. Obviously, not every medieval king was illiterate. But even amongst the upper classes, the literacy level was nowhere near that of modern times. After all, ministers and scribes could do all the hard work of reading and writing for them. So why bother to learn? If you get a cheeseburger every time you snap your fingers, you're not going to waste a lot of time learning how to grill. Furthermore, many households didn't deem it necessary to educate women, so royal ladies often couldn't read either. When well. it came to signing off on things, kings could typically mark their signatures with nothing more than a scratch of a pen, which on the plus side, probably made it easy to forge their autographs on medieval memorabilia. <laughs> you don't have to get married at age 12. You could either date now, you could either date now, uh -huh. or marry your cousin at 12. Yep, at 12 years old. Sorry, bud. We talking red pill? We talking, <laughs> we talking feminism? Hey, man, you still get to wait till 30, man. What are we talking about? That's hilarious. Have you believe being a medieval princess wasn't a particularly fun gig? Many women didn't get an education of any kind and weren't given much of a say when choosing their husbands. They also didn't have a very long wait for their royal wedding because in the medieval age, many young ladies were married off as soon as they hit puberty or even before. For example, Lady Margaret Buford, mother of the future King Henry VII, was married to Edmund Tudor when she was only 12 years old. By the age of 13, she was a widow and pregnant with her son. She lived an entire Shakespearean tragedy in one year. That's efficient. <laughs> Eleanor of Castile was wed to King Edward I of England around age 13 or 14, which now isn't even old enough to run for school president. So yeah, not being a widowed mother by age 13 is a pretty big win for That's a W, life. man. That's a W. Between the lack of any significant form of birth control and the expectation to produce a whole bunch of heirs, women in the Middle Ages got pregnant quite often. Once a week, if possible, depending on the weather. Unfortunately, your odds of dying during childbirth were really, really high. Scholars debate the percentage of upper-class mothers who passed away while giving birth, but it might have been up to 15 or 20 percent. The mortality rate might have been anywhere from 8.5 to 19 percent. That's some hard luck for a baby. These rates Pause have increased... It? That's almost one out of five. Yeah. 20 percent is one out of five. I mean, think about the mom that survived four pregnancies, and then she gets pregnant again. She's like, uh-oh. Statistically Every speaking, time. this is the one. Gosh, man. Statistically, <laughs> since medieval times. For example, the most recent measurement of the maternal mortality ratio in the United States placed the number at just over 17 deaths per 100,000 births. And the infant mortality ratio is roughly 5 deaths per 1,000 births. So while modern medicine still doesn't have a perfect record, it's a no-brainer that it's better to be pregnant in today's world than back in castle times. This is the best one. There are some basic features of modern life that many of us take for granted, like M&Ms and commercial air travel. But one of the most underappreciated is probably modern plumbing, specifically toilets with running water. Having the option to relieve oneself in the comfort of your own home without effectively creating a smelly new roommate is a luxury that is criminally undervalued. This is something I don't undervalue. Every time I sit down, you love it at the toilet. I, I, a part of me is takes time to just be present and grateful, <laughs> because <laughs> the alternative, the porcelain throne, the porcelain throne, the alternative is nuts, bro. The wow. fact that. Like, this is a relatively modern in invention. Every time you sit on the john, you just take a moment. It's like, yo, imagine 500 years ago, 1,000 years ago. Yeah. They're about to tell you how they did it. In medieval times, royals who felt the call of nature in the middle of the night had to go to the bathroom in giant jugs called chamber pots. <laughs> these crude vessels stunk up the room until they were disposed of by servants in the morning. And if you're wondering how they were disposed of, well, chamber pot contents were typically just tossed out the window. And it wasn't unheard of for one to be dumped on the head of an unsuspecting person who just happened to be passing beneath the window at the wrong time. As described in the old English tale, the legend of the Dave Matthews Band tour bus. Yes. Fact, Marie Antoinette once allegedly had a chamber pot dumped on her by accident when she was at the Palace of Versailles. That's probably not the cake she had in mind. And that being said, there were some alternatives Sex to the chamber. <laughs> yeah, man. Bro, I don't know what's worse. Just straight, just straight pots, bro. I don't know what's worse. Like, and then one of the like one sleeping of the with it in the room, or or the fact that it's just 
out on the the cement every day. Oh yeah. It's just I mean there's not even cement. There's just like and that's my question. Like, what does the outside look like? Is it fairly reasonable to just throw is it like throwing something down a canyon back then? Or is it like throwing it on the side of the street? Because a big difference. Are you just throwing poop on the street, son? And y'all complain about the black plague. Like, look uh, at what you're doing. Well, they said the black plague was was a byproduct of things. Uh, being so low, low sa- sanitation was so bad. So it was that. It was yeah, that so it was like a bunch of things that culminated, and a lot of the like these these folks didn't know. That make me want to cuss, man. That's Keep crazy. Going. The finest castles were equipped with what were called guard robes. This is dope. Which were stone or wooden seats positioned over a shaft leading to a pit. Basically, really tall porta potties. And like, <laughs> I mean, that's great. That's a throne. Porta potties. These unsanitary toilets required emptying at regular intervals as well. Medieval castles are often portrayed as elegant and luxurious places with roaring fires, fine tapestries, and cozy, elegant furniture. But the reality was very different. In truth, the average person would probably be more comfortable in a tiny studio apartment than a kingly castle. Because they were built mostly out of stone, castles were often extremely drafty. This meant that they were freezing in the winter, didn't retain heat, and typically dripped with dampness. To counter these effects of the weather, royals had to move from palace to palace throughout the year. Sort of like how some people sprint down to Florida every year the minute the leaves start to change. There you go. Gotta go to the vacation home, son. Vacation home. And those fine tapestries weren't there as mere decorations. They were hung on the walls by a castle's inhabitants for insulation. While they helped keep out the draft a little, they didn't entirely solve the problem. And there generally weren't enough spare outlets to plug in a space heater. So the castles are like the equivalent of like the people that put, you know, you put a blanket, blanket up on the on the windows yep, yep. to keep out the light, make, and now it looks like a trap house. You For most people in the out. modern era, a 40-hour work week is standard. And while many people do have to work a lot more than that, at some point, we all get to clock out and go home, or go to Chili's for half-price appetizers. But that's not how it was for medieval royals. Being a king was a round-the-clock job, at least for the hardworking ones. For proof, look no further than King Charles V of France, whose routine was recorded for posterity. He woke up at 6 a.m. and got dressed, then prayed with his chaplain, after which he attended Mass. Yo. This king was the original grind set. It's at 6 a.m. Wait, beat the sun up, baby. <laughs> Chuck. Later, Charles met with his subjects, followed by his council. Charles finally had something to eat at 10 a.m., then received diplomats, nobles, and loads more people until the afternoon. At that point, he'd get some time to rest and hang out in the garden. But the whole thing started over at 6 a.m. the next morning. He basically had to wake up early, go to church twice, and then have meetings all day long. Now, there's this website, and it's called How Rich Am I? The median American worker brings home an estimated 54000 a year. So the median, we're going to do the median, not the average, because the average is skewed. If you have a household income, the average household income is more than this, by the way. You are in the richest 1.3% of the global population. Your income is more than 19.2 times the global median. The median income in America is 19.2 times the global median income. If you were to donate 10% of your income, you would have a household income of 48719 and would make $5,413 in donations. You would still be the richest 1.6% of the global population. Your income would still be more than 17 times the global median. And each year, your donations could fund saving mm-hmm. around 1.6 healthy lives. Let's look up the average household income now. Okay. 78,000. That's the average household income in America. If you have a household income of 78,813, you are in the richest 1% of the global population. Your income is more than 27.9 times the global median. If you were to donate 10%, you would make $7,800 in donations, still have $70,000 a year in income, and you would still 
be the richest 1% of the global population. That kind of money in San Diego is not like a ton of money. It's a little light. It's a little light. Yeah. Right? But that kind of money in Alabama, however, if you're just average, mm -hmm. you are the 1% globally. Yeah. If you're just average. So then when we look at this passage again, Jesus said to his disciples, verse 23, he says, How hard it will be for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus responded again and said to them, Children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. That passage is about all of us. Mm. Globally speaking and historically speaking. Yeah. Right? Like CP just said that there's people in countries today, a percentage of folks who today don't have toilets. Wow. You know what I mean? Like there's folks today that don't, that don't have toilets. There's folks that today don't have running water. There's folks today that don't have. And so when you read this and you go, rich people can't be saved unless they give away all their stuff. They give away all your stuff. Right. Then go, go give away your stuff. Start stepping. Start, start by giving away that <laughs> iPhone that you have. This passage is not saying rich people can't be saved. Mm. This passage is showing that in their society, they viewed wealthy people as more righteous. Oh, wow. Because it was a more fatalistic view of the world. You, there wasn't a ton of upward mobility under Roman occupation. So you were you were very blessed by... And, you, and, and God had to be for you for you to be yeah. rich. God had to be on your side. Yeah. So he's taking this idea that like wealthy people are closer to God. Wealthy people are good. And he's flipping it on their head and he's saying, no, 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 no. Mm. And so that's why they're astonished because he's saying that based on that standard... Right? Why? What, what is the following question? That's why it's important to read scripture in context. And they were even more astonished because Jesus said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. What is he saying? He's saying it's, it's, it's impossible. Yeah. The people you think are the most wealthiest, the people you think are the holiest, the people you think are the most righteous, it's impossible for those folks to go to heaven. Mm. And so they're, that's why they're astonished. Not astonished because there's a gate outside of Jerusalem that you can go and take your stuff off of and then crunch down like a little camel and then yeah, scooch yeah. on through. That's not why they were astonished. <laughs> they were astonished because Jesus is taking the entire paradigm of what you think righteous means mm. and flipping it on their head. This dude kept the commandments and was was rich. And, and Jesus is like, nope, he's out. And so then who can be saved? Notice the question. What is it we're going to come back to? It comes back to salvation. Mm -hmm. Then who can be saved? If rich people can't be saved, who then can be saved? If a guy that keeps the law and is moral can't be saved, then who can be saved, Jesus? And then that's when he, this is this is echoing what we see all through the New Testament epistles. Looking at them, Jesus said, with people it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. Mm. All things are possible with God in the sense that Jesus' standards are way higher than ours, that rich people aren't even getting in. Moral people aren't even getting in. Yep, Good people aren't getting in. The only people that are getting in are people that are saved that place their faith in Jesus. And this is why I don't go to the gym. <laughs> I die to myself daily, man. <laughs> and so this 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 idea of rich people are bad. Yeah. Rich people need to sell everything they have to be Christians is actually pointing at all of us right back and saying, no, that's about you. Hey, this clip is from our daily after-party stream. If you enjoyed it, consider signing up for our Patreon community for only $5 a month where you get access to the replays of our daily after-party streams as well as the uncut extended versions of our podcast. 
Discord access that's private and a discount code for our merch store, only $5 a month. And ultimately, it's the best way to help us contextualize the gospel of Jesus using media, podcasting, and of course, YouTube. The link for that is in the description or in the pinned comment. The perks are amazing. You should get on there. It's only $5 a month. I'll see you over there, all right? Peace.